Hello, I'm Ian Wheeldon, a senior lecturer at Newcastle University and host of the Cultural Peeps podcast. Today's guest is Liz Viviora, a socially engaged artist practitioner, program leader for the MA Art and Design programs at Salford University, head of socially engaged practice at Open Eye Gallery in Liverpool and PhD candidate. In this episode, we talk about how Liz juggles these part-time roles and how they interact, influence and overlap with each other in different ways. Liz also talks about what it's like to work as a socially engaged practitioner and how she found her way into this field through an early project working at the CCA in Glasgow and with an SEN school in Maryhill. Liz has since gone on to work at ESA Contemporary, formerly the Chinese Art Centre in Manchester, Glasgow Sculpture Studios and at FACT in Liverpool as a learning producer. There are links to the various projects and organisations in the podcast notes so you can follow up on anything you want to know more about there. This conversation was recorded on campus at Salford University in April 2023 and is an edited version of a longer chat. I'd like to thank Liz for taking the time to talk so candidly about her career so far and it was great to see the campus at Salford and see the work being done by the students there. So I hope you enjoy the episode. So thanks for joining me today. If you could just start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. So uh, thank you for inviting me to speak today. Um, so I'm Liz Viviora um, and I do a few things currently. So I am an artist practitioner. I work predominantly um, in socially engaged art, working a lot with photography. And I also teach at the University of Salford where we're here today. I'm the programme leader on the MA Art and Design courses here um, and within that my subject specialism is the, is the socially engaged courses that we run. So we've got socially engaged art and socially engaged photography. And then I also work at Open Eye Gallery, uh, which is a Liverpool photography gallery. Um, I'm their head of social practice and they actually kind of join partner the MA in socially engaged photography, which is kind of why all my roles sort of merge a little bit. Um, and then on top of that, probably because I'm insane, um, I've agreed to start <laughs> a, a PhD. So a practice-paced uh, PhD. But, but the PhD is here at Salford, but it's also um, about those different roles that I do. So it's looking at how you um, kind of take on socially engaged approaches to arts practice and how that approach can really benefit both cultural sectors, way of working, um, but also higher education, so how you can support students to think about that way of working, you know, inside and outside of the kind of studio uh, context. So thinking about how you work in the real world essentially today. If we just take those different roles and just explore them a little bit. So in terms of the socially engaged practice, mm -hmm. what does that look and feel like? What kind of approaches do you take and what does the work that comes out of that look and feel like? Um, I mean, it looks different. Um, and maybe it feels different every time, uh, but I think that's maybe because it's the nature of that type of work. So essentially when we're talking about socially engaged, I'm, I'm talking about projects where I'm, I'm co-producing that work with other people. So usually most of that work actually takes outside of a gallery context. So I might be doing more what you'd call like a residency, 
working collaboratively with different communities. Those communities might be based within um, social care settings, uh, over 60s housing settings, environmental settings. They might also be within educational settings. Um, I've worked within uh, justice and youth service environments. So if you imagine all those environments are very different, every project that I might do tends to look quite different. But my own kind of art practice, my background is in fine art photography. So photography for me is a comfortable medium. I find it quite an accessible one. Everybody uses it today, which is a benefit for me. So if I want to try and create something that's a collaborative, accessible project with other people who maybe aren't used to doing kind of arts or craft or design work, then photography for me is a really easy kind of first step in because people tend to feel a bit more comfortable picking up a camera than maybe a paintbrush. Um, and also with the camera as well, it can be this sort of weird protective bubble between yeah. you and the thing you're actually trying to capture. So people can often find it like a bit of a safety net. So again, if, if people aren't used to kind of making something that's creative, that, that can be a good step in. So I guess the photography is the thing that underpins maybe all of the work, um, but then the artwork itself at the end, it's really driven by what the community groups I work with are interested in. Um, so the outputs, if you like, could be really different. Sometimes it's, you know, straight photography. Other times we've kind of gone down the route of cyanotypes or alternative processes like anthotypes. Um, other times we've ended up making the photography into sculptural pieces or installations or films. Um, and I've even done a piece that ended up as a dress, actually. So it ended up right. being a, a, a kind of costume piece where the photography was this, it, it kind of became the base of a surface pattern design. Um, and I worked with a student and a local social history group to design this costume that was based on um, the kind of hidden women at the canals across uh, Chester. We'd done this kind of history project, basically looking at local areas there. And we'd found through the Chester archives that there was loads of pictures of women working on the canals, but nothing written about them and sometimes not even having names. So it was the men's names, the children's names, and then the women were kind of just across because they didn't really have their own signature. And so the group and, and the student that I worked with thought, well, how can we create this celebration of this of this woman that would have worked? So we kind of made this Victorian-esque uh, costume out of photographs of uh, the canal site. That's just like one example yeah, of how great. a photography project can become something very different. Yeah but very much driven by the people that I work with and, and where they want a project to go, really. So how do you get involved in those projects? Are they things that you are instigating or are you applying for something and setting it up or is it an opportunity that might be advertised that's looking for a practitioner to work in a particular way? I think it can be a mix. Um, I think my first project that I did that I probably felt comfortable to say was more socially engaged rather than kind of personal artwork uh, was an allotment project uh, where I worked as a sort of artist in residence on an allotment site for four months. Um, that was ages ago, back in 2012. But it had come off the back of me being a recent graduate and being asked as a kind of documentary photographer uh, to document local um, gardening sites and allotment sites in Scotland. Right. Um, and that was from like, it was from the Allotment Society UK. So like a completely non-art uh, kind of job offer, I guess. Um, but I was like, job's a job, so yeah, I'll have a go at that. And, and I became really fascinated with these spaces. But I felt really underwhelmed by, by the fact that I kind of came to a site, met a few people, took some pictures. They were nice pictures. <laughs> 
but that was it. And I was like, oh, there's there's loads more I want to get out of out of these settings and and the people that I meet. And so that kind of spurred me on to apply for my own um, would have been a, a, a grants to the arts at the time, so an arts council project grant mm. to do something that was a bit more in depth and work on one specific site for a longer time. Um, so yeah, one kind of small job led me to an interest that then led me to instigate my own practice, if that meant, or yeah. that project, if that's what it kind of meant. So I think for me, it can be that mix. The costume example that I gave, that was an opportunity I'd seen. So that was a residency at Chester University as part of a kind of national scheme called the AA2A scheme, where they look for artists to kind of go back into the university setting and collaborate with students, but then you also get that amazing benefit of accessing all those facilities again. Um, And because I'd been looking at uh, kind of waterways as an area of interest for a few years, um, and I knew there was a redevelopment happening in one of the pocket parks along the Canal of Chester, it kind of felt like a nice fit. So I could sort of instigate my own theme and topic but again, off the basis of seeing an opportunity at a place that I thought had a relevant connection. So sometimes it's about connecting the dots, I think a little bit with opportunities. And I'm I'm assuming that obviously the more established you get, the more likely you are to find those opportunities or for those opportunities to kind of present themselves to you. Yeah, definitely. And and when I'd first graduated, you know, I kind of didn't know what on earth I was doing, actually, (laughs) I look back. Um, And some things, they happen by luck, by chance. You know, and I did all, you know, I did photographs for a a, a restaurant getting, like, refurbed. But, you know, you just just kind of make work and try and get it wherever, I think, to start with. And and then, but the more things you say yes to and the more things you try out, the more you start to learn what your actual interests and passions are. And then you get to feel a bit more confident in those and you can sort of hone in and focus a bit on like what you want to go for, what's maybe not right for you and, yeah. you know, something you just think, well, who knows unless I give it a try, so I'll just give it a try. So then the open eye side of things, mm-hmm. what does that look and feel like? Is there, is there a, an average day or week or is it project orientated? It's very project based. Um, when I first started there, my, my job title was creative producer um, and I was working very specifically on a programme called Culture Shifts, uh, which was uh, supporting photographers to work in different community settings all across the Liverpool city region. Um, and it was quite an interesting model of working because it was classed as what we call a strategic touring project, which is like a, a, a type of grant you could apply for at Arts Council. Um, predominantly organisations go for it. Um, But we weren't necessarily touring just the artwork that was made. What we were touring was the model of working in this way. So how you would tour um, what you learn from a socially engaged project in one place to the one that happens next in the next place. So they were all staggered. So all the projects would happen with a slight gap between them. And all the artists would come together to kind of share like best practice, things that were really challenging. Uh, really useful bits of information they'd learned that that then photographer could then put in that next setting. And the same with the community groups, they would kind of come together and talk about each other's projects. And so the tour was about the learning really between those different projects. Um, But they did then have exhibitions at the end, both locally and then toured uh, back to the gallery. So my job there was to essentially make that all happen. And, and you might find it more at, at the moment, there's a lot more jobs that are producer or creative producer. Um, 
And within that, there's curatorial work that you're definitely doing, but there's quite a lot of project management as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my kind of first job at Open Eye Gallery. And then over the years, that type of work, um, that kind of socially engaged programme work, has really deepened and developed and, and grown. And so my role within the organisation has grown to kind of accommodate the level of work that we do. So now my job title is Head of Social Practice. So I'm still working on all the delivery as well, but um, the whole team kind of work on that with us. Um, but then I also do a bit more strategic things and development things. So um, I run a network called the Social Engaged Photography Network, really exciting name, <laughs> but it says what it does. Um, which is a kind of network of organisations across the UK and about currently 400 members that are all just interested in that type of work. And so we use the network as a way to profile that practice, write about it critically, uh, share opportunities, and then we run training programmes. Um, so one of my jobs at the moment is delivering um, a socially engaged photography training programme called Crossing Sectors. So that's kind of an example of that. So it's supporting practitioners to think about working in that way um, and looking at how you practically get commissioned in that way as well. There are products that come out of some of that work as in exhibitions, but it sounds as if it's predominantly fo with a focus on process mm -hmm. and connections and network. And would that be an accurate way to? Yes, def yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely would. <laughs> it would. Um, but it was interesting, actually. We had a session on Monday and this, this idea of um, process versus, I guess, output or product, if you like. It's like the actual artwork made. Yeah. That comes up all the time when we do training programs, when we do public events about this type of work, or any kind of discussion really that I have with artists. Um, but it's interesting, because I think that's one of the, the, the challenges of socially engaged practice, is people say that sometimes the artwork sort of exists in the thing that happened at the time, not necessarily yeah. the work that you show at the end. And that's completely true. But I, I personally feel there's a place for both. Um, and particularly with the community groups that we work with, you know, there's a real sense of pride when they see that artwork up in a gallery space or they see that on a massive billboard in their local high street because that's what they've worked towards just the same way that any artist would work you know, in their yeah. studio for so many months and then see that work in the public realm. So I think for us, the, there's a challenge that you know, artists that maybe don't work in socially engaged ways maybe just go oh that's the kind of art facilitation thing that you do and then I do my other thing over here but actually if you treat it exactly the same as any other art project the process is that making it's that engagement it's that thinking it's that research and there's no reason why that output can't be there at the end as well with the same pride and level of quality behind it as well but not in every instance so you know there are circumstances or projects where actually we might be working with particularly vulnerable groups and the process of making really is the focus for them because actually they might make artwork that's very important to them, but it's not appropriate to show it publicly. Yeah. Um, and so in those contexts, then yes, definitely, the, the, the process is the thing. Um, but it, with many of our groups, if you ask them, you know, when we do, we work on that basis, we wouldn't show anything unless they wanted to. Like 90% of the time, they're just like, oh my God, yeah, let's get ready for the exhibition. They're super <laughs> excited. And then, you know, they come into the gallery and, and the, obviously their artists are super proud of work with them. But you just, they come in and they just, that sense of pride and ownership. So 
we've got groups now that like swan into the gallery and it's like it's their building you know it's their program and and that's the way it should be yeah really refreshing though to for that to, to work in that way so then you've got the university side of things this is exhausting just talking about it. I don't know how you do. So you've got the university side of things as well. So what what does that feel like? What does that look like? Um, well, in one way, you might see it as the slightly more structured <laughs> way, way of working, <laughs> practically because we have uh, modules that are 12 weeks long. We have academic years. Um, and so it's probably the one that on a, on a, on a calendar maybe looks more organized in my life, but in reality, that the job changes every week as well, like like the others do. Yeah. Um, the the job here again. I started off just as the teaching specifically on the socially engaged courses, um, and then kind of uh, being the module leader for the socially engaged photography course. And again, it was about bringing what I'd learned from both my organisational role, but as my practitioner role, to support students to think about how they might want to work in that way. And then over the years, my role just sort of developed and expanded to sort of manage the five programs that we have. So we have uh, the socially engaged ones I've mentioned. We've got visual communication, which is kind of graphic design and, and broad ways of thinking about VizCom essentially, uh, contemporary fine art um, and creative technology. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, what you might imagine, program management, administration, like day-to-day, making sure students have spaces to work, uh, programming guest lecturers, like other colleagues to work with, managing a team. Um, But then the joyous kind of bit that once you've got all that admin done is getting to work with the students. Um, And, you know, that's a real mix here. Like I'm, I I probably get told off from from the more um, traditional staff, but um, I try and do not so many lecture models now. I'm much more about, I want to have a chat with the students. So mm. most of the sessions we do, even if we're introducing theory or, or historical kind of frameworks to arts practice, you know, I'll introduce that, there'll be some lecture slides, but then I'm like, okay, let's have a really good discussion now. Yeah. yeah, so quite often it'll be seminar based. I try and get students off the campus just as much as on. Um, and particularly with our socially engaged students, a lot of their learning is actually out in the community setting on live placements. Um, and doing sort of workshops with each other. So so I really encourage the students to kind of use each other as platforms to learn. Um, so, so you mentioned that there's like a crossover there between OpenEye mm-hmm. and, and the university. So how do those two things interact with each other? So with our socially engaged photography course, um, OpenEye Gallery partner on that. So OpenEye were in all those conversations about um, establishing that course and um, the cross promotion of it. There's a whole module where the students on that course are really highly engaged with Open Eye Gallery as a whole team. So not just necessarily working with me, but kind of having conversations with the curator, the marketing teams, the digital content team, the rest of the social practice team, thinking about how actually does a professional organisation work? How does your work situate within that? Um, and just kind of like how you can get your foot in the door actually into cultural organisations. And I think that's really important. and and it never works as well when you're kind of sat in a classroom explaining it yeah. as to when that student is in that gallery working in that space. Yeah. So have you started the PhD yet or is that? Officially started in January. Right, okay. Um, it's got a title that keeps changing, but apparently that's normal in PhD, so yeah, I'm not to normal. panic about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a sen- at the moment, so yeah, don't hold me this to this, it'll be something different in 12 months, but 
at the moment it's looking at expanding the role of socially engaged art as an approach to kind of higher education and cultural sector working. So I guess in a way the PhD's looking at everything I do and seeing that as a bit of a model, as yeah. a way of working and then as a practice you know, that might consist of me doing live projects um, as, a, as an artist, but involving students in that process. Um, it might involve the training programs that I've mentioned, um, case studies with, uh, so Open Eye will be obviously a major case study in that, but other case studies with other cultural organisations that kind of take that ethos. Um, and somehow, I guess, in five years, like six years if it's part-time, who knows, um, <laughs> pulling that together into, into some form of public dissemination that makes sense, <laughs> she says loosely. <laughs> the obvious question is how, how do you juggle the time with the, all these different factors? Because it's, it's a huge number of moving parts there and, and it's not just moving parts, it's people as well that are involved in that. It's not just yeah. you, you, your own thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I feel like I'm really on top of it. And everything, because everything does connect and everything ties in, and and I guess the reason why I'm doing all of those things is, is the same reason, because yeah. I believe in those that type of work, then I have great days where I'm like, I am fully on top of this. Everything is like just going wonderfully. And yeah, yeah, no problem at all. And then I have other days I'm like, I think I'm drowning <laughs> in, in yeah. work, in deadlines or, or, you know, the inevitable happens where I've got deadlines with all three things. Yeah, they'll move like, in cycles where yeah. all of a sudden it, it, it synchronizes. Yeah, into and, and the, cultural, chaos. <laughs> the cultural sector and the educational sector are really bad at doing that at the same time to me. So, you know, we do our major socially engaged group show at OpenEye in September, which just also uh, happens to the be worst, the beginning yeah, of term. Worst time of the year. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you imagine that cultural organizations are trying to make sure that they're programming in a way that suits. Uh, students but also the general public then life goes in a bit of a cycle doesn't it we do have busier periods of of our year yeah and we have quieter time so you know you don't want to program things when you think no one's going to come and see it so it totally makes sense but it, yeah it means that your workload goes in that same yeah. uh, cycle I guess but I think acknowledging that knowing that in advance so being able to kind of go okay well this is going to be my downtime because this is when I can have it. Yeah. And then this is going to be my busy time. So this is me having to maybe pre-think that a little bit and get all those. I mean, I'm I'm very keen on a, a handwritten diary. Um, that's quite old school, I know. But I live by it and I need it. And I have to-do lists and they get written in that diary. And that's my way of processing everything that I do. Some people hate stuff like that and they don't work that way at all. And what I would say is you always find a way that works for you. That That's what I live yeah. by, and, and that's how I am okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this something that you thought you'd be doing when you were making decisions about what your life might look like when, say, you were at school? No. <laughs> not, well, not, not a million miles off, but no, not this hybrid <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> life that I am living. No, not at all. So I... I, I mean, I've always been interested in, in arts and the cultural sector and, um, you know, I probably thank my family and my friends and my sister particularly for that. 
So my sister's seven years older than me um, and she was always kind of doing art at school. So I was always like in a house that had like canvases and painting and her partner was also doing art. So there was just always painting and art around the house that we had. Um, and then my mum was very, very non-art. So she, you know, she trained as a doctor and then she kind of retrained as a psychiatrist. Um, but in a way I could see she worked in such a different field, but then loved to then go see things like right. galleries and museums or an, like antique shops or like anything that was just a leisurely thing to do or a hobby because it wasn't the kind of yeah. intense work she was doing day to day. So obviously we all get dragged along to that. So I felt very lucky that, that I had a life where I was just had art around me. So. I wasn't surprised that then when I hit kind of my teenager years and you know you get that awkward question at, at school where they're like what would you like to do and you fill out a little form and yeah. you just you know you, you don't know whether you're going to get like you know it, it, the form's meant to tell you what you're meant to do isn't it and you get some really random ones like you should be a nurse stroke bin man stroke graphic designer yeah. and you're like oh okay <laughs> that's broad Lumberjack. yeah 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 any <laughs> any of the above like just go into work yeah, yeah so um but yeah, art, art kept coming up basically for me. Um, and then when I was kind of in sixth form, I was, I think I was doing like, uh, what was I doing? What did I do? I did history, English lit and art. So I'd kind of like scrapped all the sciences. I just never thought I was very good at them. I was really bad at maths. So, you know, I had to try and go where my skill sets were. Right. <laughs> that was the question I was going to ask. Were you attracted because you were, it was an area that you felt that you were confident in? Yeah, like I, I felt more confident, even though so like with the English lit and history on on paper, I probably shouldn't have been because I, I think we, I think my school realised a bit late actually, but I was, uh, um, dyslexic or they they, they thought I was dyslexic and and you know they were talking about extra time and all that kind of thing that you can get, you know, writing or anything that's like literature based yeah. wouldn't have been the right thing for me. But then I do writing in everything I do now, so it, it, you know. Needless to say, things don't have to be a challenge. If yeah. you know, there are ways you can make things work for you, but, but there's an obvious relationship. I mean, they're all humanities subjects yeah. that you took there yeah. at, at A level, and the, you know, arguably, depending on what type of art you're interested in, there's a, there can be connections between all all three of those things. So they're quite a common Combo. cluster yeah. of, of subjects there. Were you thinking, I'm just taking stuff because I like it and I'll see where it takes me or do you, did you start thinking I could be an artist or I could be was there was there a career thing there in your mind I think when you're really young you well maybe you do I didn't I think I just thought I really want to do something I enjoy and feel yeah. passionate about and if I'm really honest I wasn't really thinking about what it might be as a career I just was like went to art school had an incredible time loved what I did and then it was only kind of in third year when we were getting our degree show stuff together that it just dawned on me that this would end after this and I was like shit <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like I'm gonna need to because you know I was I always I've always worked I've worked since I was like 15 16 worked in cafes you know then worked in bars worked in nightclubs like I've always worked in like yeah. uh, you know uh, hospitality but it was only yeah when I was putting my degree show up that I was like oh but now what do I what do we do with all There's this a cliff coming here. Yeah, yeah and and the art school that I was at they they were incredible at supporting you to kind of develop your art practice and 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 take that really seriously but maybe in hindsight now I think they 
they were less focused on like, okay, but what are the career pathways for you afterwards? Like, I think we had one session where they helped you write a CV and then yeah. that was kind of it. And, you, and I was like, oh, okay. And, and yeah, I, I finished and didn't really know what to do actually. And it was quite accidental. I, I, I worked at, um, I was just doing kind of front of house, at a, a gallery that was just next to the art school where I was based at CCA, yeah. the Centre for Contemporary Arts. And um, whilst I was doing sort of front of house there in invigilation, I saw an internship come up whilst I was there, which was a programme internship. And I thought, well, that sounds broad. Yeah. Like, that sounds like I'll get to meet the team and, you know, like, you know, no harm in, in going for that. Um, and at the same time, I, where I lived in, in Mary Hill, there was a local primary school that had had a local advert out looking for an art teacher's assistant. Um, and it was a kind of primary SEN school. And then when I got there, basically it turned out that the art teacher had left. They didn't really have a proper art teacher. So there was another teacher that was doing it. But essentially it was like, um, you, you were the art, there was no art room. So you had a trolley of art yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you would go to each of the primary school classes and you would do kind of arts and crafts with them for like an hour. Um, and so they were really keen for anyone that had an art background to come and help this other teacher, basically, because I think she just sort of inherited this yeah, job. Yeah, felt overwhelmed. Yeah, and I just sort of like just sent something off by chance because it literally was across from where I lived. And they were like, yeah, great, come on board. So I had these two things where I'd just by chance ended up working at this school, um, but just by chance had applied to this internship at the gallery. But then because I'd had that, I was working at the school on my CV, the gallery came back to me and said, Liz, um, we don't really want you to do a programme internship. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> I was like, it's a bit disappointing. <laughs> I was like, great, start. <laughs> um, they said, but would you like to be an education and outreach intern? And I was like, oh. I was like, what's that? <laughs> and they went, well, we want to develop an education outreach programme for the gallery because it's something that we feel that's missing from the gallery programme right now and it's something that's really important to us. Um, and it was about thinking about how the gallery, you know, not in a kind of, not in the, not in the very simple or, or arguably tokenistic way where you're like, okay, we have a gallery show on, let's just do some nice kind of educational things around it or a yeah. bit of public programme. A response to an exhibition. Yeah, or, but, yeah, but much more about, okay, how can we as a building be a useful, accessible educational and creative space? Yeah. And actually, do we need to be bringing people to the gallery or as a gallery, do we need to be going out to the community itself? And so the director had this kind of vision for wanting to develop that type of programme that felt a little bit more genuine. Um, and we were kind of partnered with an area of Glasgow called Drum Chapel, which was to develop a sort of educational kind of outreach programme there, very much looking at the amount of green space and green belt that they had in that area that was being underused by that community um, and developing kind of growing healthy spaces. So I kind of went on this weird journey of doing this education and outreach programme with no education and outreach team, um, just with me and the director, um, working out in Drum Chapel with primary schools, with local community members, um, doing everything from like guerrilla gardening, building a sensory garden. I think I barely picked up a camera actually as part of the role. Um, and I just went on this whirlwind. And that was all just from me going, yeah, okay, I'll give this a go. And it completely opened my eyes to a different type of arts practice that was beyond the quite personal work that I made probably at art school. 
Um, and I think that's what sent me off on a bit of a journey. But they never would have thought of me for that if I hadn't have randomly gone to do the, the work at the school. Thing. So there's all these yeah. kind of serendipity kind of connections, yeah. I don't know. but it, it's, it's fascinating though. Are you the kind of person that it, when an opportunity comes up, you go, yeah, I can have a go at that? Or do you weigh mm, it up carefully? I, yeah, so... On the whole, I'm going to say yes, and probably my the the staff at the gallery will laugh at me when if they hear this back because <laughs> um, we're, t we're talking a lot at the gallery at the moment about you know trying to be strategic on on what we deliver and how we deliver it and and maybe delivering less um, but delivering more kind of in depth things. Yeah. Um, and I think you know there's a lot of burnout in the sector as a whole at the moment. And so it's important that all institutions, um, cultural institutions, are thinking about that for themselves, for their teams, and also for the practitioners that they then commission. Um, but at the same time, I'm t I'm terrible for saying yes. Like this is exciting. Let's yeah, yeah. Like I get I get really enthused by something, and so and so I guess maybe there's something in me from when I was younger where I was like a, a yes man, or I'll give something a go. But then I still have doubts in my own confidence with things. So with my arts practice, I see things that come up and then I go, oh, I don't know if I'm still quite right for that. You know, and, yeah. and you know, there was some, you know, I did a project in Manchester a couple of years ago during the lockdown um, called the People's River Project. And because it was connecting to British waterways and it was asked to be a socially engaged commission, I was like, oh, I feel like that's got me written all over it. But I had real doubts about going for it, like real doubts because, um, I well actually what one practical doubt was I was pregnant at the time <laughs> so I was a little bit like mm, I don't know how heavily you'll be pregnant I'll, I'll be, be when, this, when yeah. I'm doing this and it's during the lockdown um the the, the lockdown it was kind of a lifted area of the lockdown but still in it yeah. and um but also I'd not done maybe a big project like that for a couple of years just because I've purely been too busy on the other side of the practice I was doing yeah. um and my friends have kind of gone, what? Why would you not go for this? It's got, like they said, it's got your name written all over it. So I was like, okay, okay. And I did it and I loved it. And, um, you know, I'm still looking at that area of the river and connecting with those communities around there today. So I think there is a thing of like, you just have to go for things. Um, you know, and you, you won't get yes all the time. You, you will get no's and that's just part and parcel. Um, but if you never try, then you're never going to get like, yeah, yes, yeah. are you? So, yeah. So you, you got the CCA thing and the school. How did things move on from there? Um, so from that, I got loads of experience in what I'd call the kind of more arts administration and kind of curatorial and programming side of things, um, as well as just grasping actually what learning and engagement programs could really mean in galleries. I think I had a very literal kind of idea of it yeah. beforehand. Um, and then a job had come back up here in Manchester, which is where I'm from, um, at the what was the Chinese Art Centre. It's now ASEA Contemporary. Um, and that was kind of for a programme and engagement coordinator. So it was that idea of both those roles. And again, I was like, oh, I don't know if I've got enough experience because I've only done this kind of internship work at the CCA. Um, but it was clearly like from from the pay scale and, and the level of the role, it was targeted at early career. Yeah. And I was um and ah about whether to go for it or not. And, and actually the director of the CCA was like, well, why, why would you not go for it? Like, you know, like, why would you not <laughs> yeah. go for it, yeah. Liz? So yeah, so then I, I went for that and then ended up moving back to Manchester. Um, and then since then, I've basically just worked in different role, cultural organisational roles with a similar kind of 
focus on yeah. on that hybrid role between education and engagement and curatorial. Yeah. The work that you were doing at what was then the Chinese Art Centre, mm-hmm. was the programme already developed there or was it a similar thing that you were doing to the CCA, which is where you're having to instigate new ways of working? So it was instigating new ways of working, which is maybe actually why when I did my interview, it wasn't, well, were... I wasn't as bad as I thought I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because you talked about that, like, you know, saying I, I just had this intern work, but then if you've got the intern work and you set something up, yeah, it's good evidence. It's, like it's, yeah, uh, it's great you know, evidence. It's not like you've just kind of delivered something. that y- it's, It shows initiative and administrative abilities and creative skills. and. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, she says. Yeah, I, I imagine that is. I'd have to ask them, wouldn't I? But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they'd gone through um, a restructure, I think, at that time. So the, the staff structure had changed. Like, there were two new early career roles that had right. sort of been introduced. Um, and I remember in the interview, they'd, they'd kind of asked about my interests and I talked about being really driven by that, what I then realised was kind of a socially engaged working within a gallery environment. Um, and obviously they, they honed in on that because they wanted to develop their own education and engagement programme that moved away from, so they had very, they had a really strong like traditional Chinese arts programme that obviously was really popular around Chinese New Year yeah. with all the local primary schools. Um, but they were a contemporary art gallery, and so they didn't necessarily feel that the rest of the year, the the stuff that they could offer from that depart- that area of it was really actually explaining to to kind of local communities and schools like what the gallery was about. Mm-hmm. It was actually about contemporary Chinese arts practice. So I think they kind of honed in on that maybe, and so I was able to sort of set up what we call a contemporary arts program. And we worked with local practitioners and local uh, Chinese diaspora practitioners to develop their skills in contemporary art practice training and, and facilitation. And then we ran a kind of three-year schools program called START, where uh, school kids would come in, they would meet the Chinese artists in residence, they would see the main gallery shows, and then they would go away and kind of go off on a total tangent, made their own work, work with local artists, and they would come back and have their own kind of main gallery show. So that was kind of one of the big things that I did as part of that programme and then I looked after the residency artists that we had as well. So I, I was open to a whole new world of contemporary Chinese and Asian yeah. art as well, which was like all new to me and really exciting and probably some of the favourite artists I've, I've ever worked with actually. Um, they're just in yet incredible. Sounds great. How long were you there for? So I worked there for four years um, and then I'd seen a job come up uh, ironically back in Glasgow. <laughs> Right. Yeah, everything drives me back to Glasgow um, <laughs> for a similar similar thing. So learning an engagement role um, at the Glasgow Sculpture Studios. And again, actually, you're making me realise the pattern here. So um, again, it was to establish and set up yeah. the engagement programme that they wanted to connect specifically to the fourth and uh, Clyde Canal that was literally situated outside their new building. Um, and that was a really fun programme. We got to kind of develop art projects on uh, a barge that travelled up and down the, cl- the canal. Um, and the idea was about bridging those, there was two very disparate communities in that bit of uh, Glasgow. So you had kind of Maryhill on the left of, of the canal and you'd have kind of like Postle on the right. And it was about bringing those two kind of communities together and then bringing them back to Glasgow Sculpture Studios. So we were very aware we'd sort of popped up as this contemporary art space and studio space in what was just an old kind of industrial building. Yeah. And, and you know, local communities were probably like, 
what is this? <laughs> and so actually it's about like, well, this is who we are and this is how you can connect with us. Um, and I did that for a year and helped set it up. Um, and then, I, I, I mean, I guess I had a bit of a, a, a tough decision because I, I think I, I could have stayed there, but I would have had to have properly relocated back to Glasgow. And so I had were you kind of temporarily back there. up yeah, yeah yeah i sort of was staying with a friend basically and right. kind of doing half and half um so it's, it's difficult kind of, yeah right, it's, it's, it's difficult, difficult. You, it becomes a, cr a crunch point doesn't there where you have to you have to move basically yeah 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 and it and it's difficult for me i'm always i have a very torn heart when it comes to glasgow it is my home from home i lived there for six years um i've got loads of friends up there um but yeah, I loved going back up for that year, but um, it, it was kind of personal family reasons, actually, I ended up moving back. Um, and then I worked at FACT in Liverpool, again, kind of like a learning producer, um, learned loads from, from that team. They were incredible. Um, I had really good fun, worked on some incredible projects with uh, veterans and, and veterans within prison settings. Uh, worked with a kind of over 60s uh, group who I still, keep connected with today. They're called the Digital Ambassadors. They're amazing. They're so much fun. Um, and, and then from there, then, um, well, uh, I think the joke is that I was, uh, I was pinched. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> to, poached from poached to, by to, OpenEye. To OpenEye Gallery. But obviously, going to OpenEye Gallery felt like everything went full circle because I went from, finally, I went from that fine art photography place that I'd started at yeah. uni with all that socially engaged commissioning experience and then it came back to a photography-based gallery that wanted to run a socially engaged program so it kind of again it felt like it was meant meant to be and, and all the time when you've had these different jobs has your own practice been fairly consistent or have you had peaks and troughs of where you've been doing something or um i think it's always there but there's definitely peaks and troughs just in terms of what i can practically deliver yeah <laughs> at the time so sometimes i can't you know, I couldn't commit to a, a full-blown commission, but I can maybe do some shorter-term projects. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've had an ongoing kind of collaboration with a group uh, in Ancoats called the Many Hands Craft Collective. Um, and I went back and did my Masters by Research in 2016, which is when I was working at Open Eyes. That was a part-time job. So again, yeah. the two sort of sat together. Um, and I went back to that group that I'd worked with and they sort of became my collaborators for that project. And I, I kind of still work with them today. So again, when I did the People's River project that I'd mentioned before, because the communities we were asked to work with were across um, North Manchester and, and communities that like basically lived along the kind of River Irk area, the Many Hands Craft Collective were in that that uh, yeah. that, that geographical area. So again, I was like, do you guys want to work on this again with me? And they were like, yes, definitely. So, so I think, um, in a weird way, the thing that keeps constant is my connections with the groups I work with or the communities that I work with. Um, but then the kind of commissions or projects, they ebb and flow depending on when they come up, the rest of my workload. I'm also, you know, I'm a mum now. So that, that affects when and how I do yeah. things. Um, you know, my, my kids too. So although I'm starting to drag him into art projects now, because that's a practical way to do it, by the way. Yeah. You know, if, if, Start you, early. if you have no childcare, then, you know, your kid becomes part of your work, whether they <laughs> like it or not. So, you know, Joseph uh, Pram has become an excellent tripod when we've been out on walks. So, you know, <laughs> you, can, you can mix it all. <laughs> yeah. So you talked a little bit before about making decisions and sometimes having little moments of self-doubt and then people around you 
saying, you should definitely be doing this. So have you had any formal or informal mentoring or are there people that have been constants throughout your career who you've connected with in order to, to check out ideas or decisions or? Um, I mean, my, my sister is an obvious one because obviously she went into the arts as well. Right. And she's a director of a, a gallery here in Manchester. Um, so she's a great, useful check-in yeah. about things. Um, y- you, you build really good friendships with the people you work with as well. So, you know, there's people I've worked with from all of those galleries that I can go to for advice and tips. Um, and then what I'm finding really useful at the moment is because the work we do at Open Eye Gallery, um, I'd run the formal training programs that we do with the practitioners, but then we also uh, run these kind of really informal we call them kind of artist coffee morning catch-ups. So these are artists that either have or are currently commissioned with us on, on socially engaged projects, um, or they've been on the, the training programs. And it's just whoever's free that month, we just meet online for one hour for a Zoom, and we just have a chat. And actually it's in those really informal little spaces that you can really kind of share, like stories, challenges, doubts, um, opportunities with each other. And it's a really clever way of actually keeping connected as a network without that pressure. Mm. So, you know, that's been a real benefit to me. So I would, I would, you know, even though formally I'm the one like organising the session, I'm just another person yeah. on Zoom, yeah. do you know what I mean? So and I, I would definitely recommend that, you know, I, I, over the lockdown as well, um, because I was off on kind of maternity leave around that time. Um, I'd, connected with a photography collective called Post uh, uh, Photography Collectives. They're a group of women who are all um, photographers who also happen to be mothers. So it's not necessarily that they're making work about motherhood, but but that's just our context. Um, and I was asked to kind of join them during that period as well. And we um, they, they again have been an amazing kind of network and support group for me. And we can all check in with each other. So, you know, one person might have a question that's like panicking about a, a arts council grant, and then I can go, oh, I've done loads of those. I can chip in there and help a little bit. Whereas I'm probably the one that's like doubting myself about, you know, applying for something. Yeah, and then someone yeah. else will go, no, 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 you should just pick this project for that from looking at your website. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's just a really mutual kind of benefit for everybody. So, you know, for practitioners, particularly if, you know, whether you go down the art school route or, or not, um, if you don't have a studio base, then make yourself a, a connection some other way. Be part of a network of a group, something that's not pressured, but just so you can check in with each other. Because you know it can be a bit of a silo working otherwise, and and you know you, of course you're going to have doubts if you can't chat to anyone else about it. What's next? What have you got coming up on the horizon? So. The PhD obviously started now, started in January. I just signed off. Um, so you do a lot of documents in the first <laughs> bit. I'm learning lots of paperwork. It's very exciting. Um, so it's, a regular, just, it's a returning regular yeah, feature. <laughs> yeah, so I've uh, just signed off something exciting called a learning agreement. <laughs> but it's a milestone, so I'll do that. And that's basically setting out the, the agreement between me and the supervisors about what it is I actually want to do, how I'm going to like try and do it and any support that, that they will give me and, and vice versa, what I'm ex- what's expected of me as a research uh, um, student, basically. 
Um, so now that's kind of in place, I can start to do all the kind of exciting sort of secondary and primary research, so that kind of nitty gritty about looking at social practice, looking at the current practitioners and organisations that are working in that way, getting some juicy interview time with them hopefully, doing a bit of focus groups. And then from the kind of practice side of it, um, I'm just about to start a project in Eccles, which is literally just up the road from the campus here, um, working with Age UK Salford. So they're delivering a kind of participatory photography project with uh, older residents in that area, particularly in the kind of wave and context of, of the pandemic and how it may have affected that particular age range. Mm. And they thought that taking a sort of what you call like a photo voice methodology would be really useful, which is basically participatory photography approach. Um, and so they've connected with me. So I'm going to come in as a photographer and work with them. But then as part of this PhD and this idea of this, this collaborative working, the students are going to get involved in that as well. Um, and then OpenEye kind of acts as a, as a sort of like project partner on it as well. So again, it's thinking how you connect all those things. So yeah, I think I'm due to meet the group um, on the 10th of May, so very soon. Thank you very much for joining me today and, and good luck. It'd be good to hear how your PhD is going. Sounds like a fascinating area moving forward. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully I won't be crying under a table in year two because <laughs> apparently that's what happens. That's a process. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks very much. <laughs> thank you. Too. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there's a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. 